and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Lucas Stock, and with me, as always, is... Jensen Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we explore, discuss, and grow as followers of Christ. So on today's Friday edition Christians of History episode, we are going to learn all about a fellow by the name of John Newton from a fellow by the name of Jens Nelson. Boom. So why don't you take it away, bro? Yeah, so if, you, if your initials are JN, uh, you're in good company here because that's what we are. So uh, yeah, let's just, we'll just jump right into it. So John Newton was born in 1725 in England. He grew up in a, in a divided home. He had a mother who was a devout Puritan. She was a Christian, a believer, and she wanted to raise him with the same values and principles. You know, she encouraged prayer, scripture devotion, um, but her, his father, on the other hand, was a sailor. And, you know, there's probably a whole bunch of like stereotypes that might come to mind when you think of a sailor. And they're basically true of his father. He wanted nothing to do with God. He was a pretty um, vile man, um, at least in his vocabulary. So when when John was two weeks from his seventh birthday, his, his mother passed away rather unexpectedly. Um, and so he was sent away to a boarding school until he was 11. So for four years, he was at this boarding school. And it was at that time that his father recruited him to sail with him. So just think about like an 11 year old all of a sudden like going on some sailing expeditions. Uh, I, so I, he went on. on I six can't even ex- imagine that that was a thing. I know. Like, I don't know. I just think, you know, they didn't have like techno. Like, I feel like people right. died a lot. Oh, yeah, for sure. At sea. I like, got dysentery. Crazy. I got like scurvy or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, wow. So he, he went on six extensive voyages before his father retired in uh, 1742. And it was at that time that his dad made arrangements for John uh, to actually run a sugarcane plantation in Jamaica. It's like <laughs> you're living in England, you're on all these voyages, and your dad's like, all right, son, you're going to Jamaica. I'm sending you to a plantation. Uh, but John instead signed up to work on a merchant ship that sailed the Mediterranean. So in 1743, he was actually going to visit some friends, and he was forced into the naval service, uh, so the British Royal Navy. He became a midshipman aboard uh, HMS Harwich, um, and at one point, Newton actually tried to, t- to desert. He tried to like leave, and he was punished in front of the crew of 300 people. He was stripped to the waist and tied to the grating, and he received a flogging of eight dozen lashes and w- was reduced to the rank of a common seaman. So he, you know, was a midshipman all the way down to seaman, got beat in front of all the people. So following that disgrace, that humiliation, uh, Newton initially contemplated murdering the captain and then committing suicide by throwing himself overboard. Uh, But he recovered both physically from his, you know, being whipped and lashed and mentally. Uh, So later, while Harwich was en route to India, he actually transferred ships to the Pegasus, which was a slave ship bound for West Africa. Uh, The ship carried goods to Africa and then traded them for slaves to be shipped to the colonies in the Caribbean and North America. So, you know, not the greatest business to get into. You know, we had had an episode episode, uh, of honorable vocations. This probably isn't one of those honorable vocations that Christians should be seeking. Um, But let's let's just keep rolling with it. So Newton did not get along with the crew of the Pegasus, and in 1745, they left him in West Africa, so they abandoned him with a man named Amos Clough, uh, who was a slave dealer, and so he was basically left to be a slave himself. 
So early in 1748, he was actually rescued off this island or off this place in West Africa uh, by the captain of a ship called the Greyhound, who basically was asked by Newton's father to go search for him. So Newton's dad's like, yo, they abandoned my son. No idea where he is. Go look for him kind of thing. And like, weirdly enough, they find him and rescue him. How does all of this even happen? <laughs> I have no idea. And the thing is, is like, I read a couple accounts of this. So, it, you know, it's not just like some fancy retelling, but like this seems to mm. be legit. Um, so well aboard this ship, the Greyhound, Newton gained notoriety for being one of the most profane men that the captain had ever met. So in his in his speech, um, you know, so think about it. In a culture where sailors commonly used oaths and swore, um, Newton was admonished several times for not only using the worst words the captain had ever heard. So like think about the vilest, crudest, most disgusting words you can use. Like Newton's using those, and then he was creating new ones to exceed the limits of verbal debauchery. So he was basically I imagine like he probably sounded like american 12 year olds <laughs> is what i'm picturing i'm playing call of duty like yeah <laughs> saying everything about people's moms or whatever yeah he, he was probably pretty rank and vile so during his 1748 voyage back to england after his rescue newton actually had his spiritual conversion so up to this point we're talking about a man who's on a slave ship who's pretty vile um you know has contemplated murder and he has this spiritual conversion Uh, The ship had encountered a severe storm off the coast of Ireland, and it almost sank. Newton supposedly awoke in the middle of the night, and as the ship filled with water, he called out to God in prayer. Uh, Some cargo had shifted, and it stopped up the hole. So whatever caused this leak that was, you know, bringing them down, it was plugged up. And so the the ship was able to drift safely to shore. Um, So Newton sort of marked this as the beginning of his conversion experience to Christianity, because as we'll see, he sort of still like struggles with um, some other things. But he began to read the Bible and other theological works, you know, some think about some of the reformers, some of the people that would have been uh, readily available to him. So by the time he reached Britain, I don't know how long it takes to sail from West Africa to Britain, but in that time, uh, he had accepted basically the core doctrines of the faith. And the date was March 10th. 1748, which was an anniversary that he marked for the rest of his life. And from that point on, he says that he avoided profanity, he avoided um, gambling and drinking. And although he continued to work in the slave trade, he had gained sympathy for the slaves during his time in Africa. So while he was abandoned, he started to like, have some perspective, I guess he started to have some sympathy. Um, And so he later said, that his true conversion did not happen until sometime later. Um, you know, he had that experience on the boat, but like he still harbored anger, malice, um, you know, maybe some racism, some other things. He, he says, quote, I cannot consider myself to have been a believer in the full sense of the word until a considerable time afterwards, end quote. Um, so Newton returned to Liverpool, England, which was a major port in the triangle trade of, you know, slave trade. Um, and this was partly due to the influence of his uh, one of his father's friends named Joseph Man- Manistee. Um, he obtained a position as first mate aboard the slave ship Brownlow, which was bound for the West Indies via the coast of Guinea. So again, still involved in the slave trade here. And so well in West Africa, so he, he'd been in West Africa, went to England, and is now back in West Africa going to the West Indies. Um, he acknowledged the inadequacy of his spiritual life. He had actually become really ill. 
um, with a fever and he professed, this is when he finally professed his full belief in Christ, asking God to take control of his destiny. Um, he later said that this was the first time that he totally felt at peace with God. It was after relinquishing finally all the the baggage that he still sort of clung to. And it was actually in this time that he penned a very famous hymn. You've probably never heard of it though. Um, a little ditty called Amazing Grace. You ever, you ever heard that one? Huh? Yeah. So what do you, what do you, you know, I don't know. This is, this is sort of what John Newton is maybe most famous for is writing yeah, Amazing probably. Grace. Uh, but, but Newton did not, as we said, renounce immediately working in the slave trade. Um, so he's now at 1750, he's back in England. So just a couple years after his true spiritual conversion, as he said, and he has at this point made three voyages as the captain of the slave ships, Duke of Argyle and the African. So he's not just like working as a shipmate. He is the captain of two different slave ships for about five years. And so after suffering a severe stroke in 1754, he gave up seafaring and his slave trading activities. Um, although he continued to invest in his father's friend, um, John Manistee's slaving operations. So it was actually after this time when he could no longer be a captain that he became an Anglican priest. So you're in good company, Lucas. Uh, you know, John, John Newton also uh, wanted to become mm-hmm. an Anglican priest. And it took him a <laughs> long time. I, I don't have time to go into all the details, but it took him a long mm-hmm. time to get a, a pastorate. Um, so yeah. that, was, that was 1754 that these things were happening. It wasn't until 1788, which was roughly 34 years after he had retired from the slave trade, that Newton broke a long silence on the subject uh, with the publication of a forceful pamphlet entitled Thoughts Upon the Slave Trade. And it was here that he described the horrific conditions of the ships. Um, He apologized, saying, this is a confession which comes far too late. It will always be a subject of humiliating reflection to me that I was once an active instrument in a business at which my heart now shudders. Which, you know, when we think about the Christian life, when we think about confession, repentance, um, being sanctified, being transformed, um, especially in light of a lot of what's going on in our current context around race relations and, um, you know, racism and murder and all the things that are happening in, you know, 2020 right now, um, it's a very interesting quote by him to say that like he is he he's absolutely humiliated um that he was even involved he has this shudder in his soul when he thinks about his his interaction and the fact that he was an active instrument not just a passive one but an active instrument in this thing and so perhaps yeah it's interesting it it feels almost like a little uh you know it's easy for us i think to to feel like okay that's a little too little too late you right. know, so you, you write a pamphlet 34 years later. And I mean, on the one hand, like, yes, obviously he could have and should have done more right. prior to that, whether that's, I don't know what happened during those 34 years or, you know, he shouldn't have <laughs> been a captain, honestly, you know, like it, we don't need to minimize, you know, the role as he pl- says that he played as an active instrument in, in the slave trade you know we don't need to minimize that to also appreciate a lot of people don't we we don't we you know not everyone from this era ever has a quote like i'm humiliated that i was a part of this you know even those people who we might 
otherwise look up to theologically or, you know, in terms of other aspects of their life. This was a very common sin, and that doesn't make it less uh, heinous or sinful or painful. Um, And the fact that he seems to have repented of it and and publicly, you know, wrote about it doesn't... That that's that doesn't like absolve him of the consequences of the fact that he was involved, right? Um, but it is a good reminder of we do see in history we get to see somebody's entire life, and again, not minimizing, but maybe we can use people like John Newton to reflect on our own sinful hearts. Yeah, because I mean, I'm thinking... do sure none of us are slave traders. Do we <laughs> right. feel the way he feels about? his worst sin though about our own and here's the thing like especially in light of our like modern cancel culture where everybody's getting canceled statues are being torn down it does cause us to pause and reflect on this sort of thing like redemption not just in like a christian sense but like we watch movies about redemption you know we just finished my wife and i just finished star wars um and episode seven through nine it's almost like the redemption of kylo ren um, you know, this character who has fallen, who has, um, you know, gone to the dark side, who who comes back to the light. And I think some part of us wants that to be true. Um, but, you know, maybe we've never been slave traders um, in the in this sense. Um, but I'd, I'd go so far as to say, if you partake of like pornography, you in a sense are part of a slave trade, um, whether whether you recognize well, that or not. Statistically, statistically, right. You know, statistically, you are a passive instrument. Right, because yeah, you might not be making slavery. it, you might not be like capturing anybody, but by by fueling, by by visiting these sites, by actively, by you do actively pursue those sites, you indirectly fuel a demand for more of this sort of content, and much of, maybe not all, I understand, but much of this content is intricately tied and woven into sex trafficking, and so. You know, for 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 a Christian to come out and to publicly confess um, that this is something that is a subject of humiliating reflection, uh, to say that you were that you took part as an instrument in this business in which your heart now shudders. I mean, that should be the Christian life, no matter what your sin is. That it is horrific to think of the things that we have done, the things that we have thought, the things that we have wanted to do, um, and to to publicly confess and repent is a is a cool thing. So, as we close, like I said, maybe Newton is perhaps best known as a writer of Amazing Grace, and the, the the problem with Amazing Grace is we sing it all the time. I mean, everybody knows Amazing Grace, even if you're not a Christian. Um, and it loses its beauty. It loses its um, its weight when we don't, you know, pause to consider what we're actually singing. And when we don't pause to consider who wrote the hymn and the context in which he would have been writing it to, to be a slave trader, to be, um, to, you know, be vile and, and crude and crass and to... Um, to be saved by amazing grace, like these these wretches of people, um, we in fact have been redeemed, and and it's it's a beautiful song. Uh, maybe you've also heard of glorious things of thee are spoken, or how sweet the name of Jesus sounds, uh, or let us love and sing and wonder. Those are just a few of the hymns that he has written. Um, I know you can check out some of his works, some of his the- theological works. Banner of Truth published literally the. I think it's a six volume or four volume complete works of john newton which i one day hope to own um there's not a lot that's like in like there's like third party publishers who like you know produce unabridged versions of stuff that aren't as accessible but um yeah that's more or less the life of of john newton man 
Thank you for putting that together and sharing with us. And thank you so much for listening to today's Christians of History episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Doxology Podcast or send us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, ideas for future episodes, especially future Christians of history that you'd like us to feature and or heretics of history dive into. And you might have seen on our, our social media, we're, we're gearing up for a, a little bit of time where we're focusing on heretics and heresies. And I'm sure we'll have more details to come mm-hmm. with that. You know, I mean, it the, the the tweet pretty much covers it. It's not a super complicated thing. But if you think of, um, you know, a famous heretic that you'd like us to, to dive into a little bit, please let Let's us know. It. And we'll, yeah. you know, now now tis the season for heretics, I guess, coming up in, the, in a couple weeks. So... Um, you can also sign up for our newsletter down below in the show notes for weekly updates and announcements on upcoming episodes or any other special news. Um, as always, check out logos.com slash doxology podcast for more information about Logos Bible software um, and to let them know that uh, uh, you're a fan of the show and that you went over to check them out. And if anything that I've mentioned or anything else that I haven't mentioned sounds interesting to you, we really love to hear from you and to connect. So until next time, we will see you later. Peace.